Part one, chapter twenty of Quo Vadis, a tale of the time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sienkiewicz, translated by Binion and Malevsky. Part one, chapter twenty. They traversed the patrician quarter along the Viminal and passed through the former Viminal gate in the neighborhood of the plain where Diocletian afterwards erected magnificent baths. They passed the remains of the wall of Servius Tullius and through other greater ruins until they reached the Nomentan road. Thence they turned to the left towards the Solaria road to find themselves in the midst of hills full of sand pits and here and there a graveyard. Meanwhile it had grown quite dark. The moon had not yet risen, and but for the Christians, who showed them the way, it would have been a difficult task for them to find the road. This Chilo had foreseen. At right and left, and in front, dark figures were discernible moving towards the sandy pits. Some carried lanterns, hiding them as much as possible under their mantles, others, better acquainted with the road, walked in the dark. The trained soldier's eye of Vinicius distinguished by their movements the young from the old ones, who walked with staffs, and from women carefully wrapped up in long mantles. The rural police and the country people, returning from the city, took these nocturnal wanderers for laborers to the sand-pits, or for some brotherhood of grave-diggers whose members chose for themselves certain hours to celebrate their nightly ceremonies but as the young patrician and his companions pushed their way onwards the number of people and of gleaming lanterns around them increased some sang hymns in a subdued tone which appeared to vinicius full of melancholy longing at moments his ear caught disconnected words or phrases such as arise o thou that sleepest or rise from the dead at times again the name of christ was repeated by men and women Vinicius gave little heed to the words, for it crossed his mind that one of these dark figures might be Lygia. Some passing near him said, Peace be with thee, or praise be to Christ. But restlessness had taken hold of him, and his heart began to beat more quickly, for it seemed to him that he heard the voice of Lygia. Shapes or movements like hers deceived him every moment. Not until after repeated mistakes did he begin to mistrust his own eyes but the way appeared long to him he was well acquainted with the surroundings yet he could not recognize places in the darkness every moment they struck some narrow passage some parts of a wall some booth which was strange to him at last the edge of the moon emerged from behind a bank of clouds and illuminated the situation better than the dim lanterns something like a fire or the flame of a torch began to glimmer in the distance vinicius turned to chilo and asked whether that were ostranium chilo on whom the night the distance from the city the phantom-like figures had made a deep impression replied in uncertain tones i know not master i have never been in ostranium but they might find some place nearer the city then feeling the need of conversation to reinforce his failing courage he added they assemble like murderers yet murder is forbidden to them unless that lygian giant deceived me scurvily vinicius who was thinking of lygia was also astonished at the caution and secrecy with which her fellow worshippers gathered together to listen to their high priest like all religions he said this also has amongst us its adherents but the christians are a jewish sect why then do they gather here when in the trans tiber stand jewish sanctuaries where too the jews bring offerings in bright daylight 
nay master the jews are their most relentless enemies it has been related me how even before the time of the present caesar a war came near breaking between the jews and them these commotions annoyed claudius caesar so much that he expelled all the jews but now that edict has been abrogated still christians hide themselves from the jews and from the people who as thou knowest accuse them of heinous crimes for a while they walked on in silence the first to break it was chilo whose fear increased the farther the gates were left behind when i returned from Eurytius, he said i borrowed a wig from a barber and i inserted two beans in my nostrils they ought not to be able to recognize me but even if they do they will not kill me they are not bad people they are even very upright i love and esteem them deal in no premature praises answered vinitius they now came to a narrow declivity closed in at the sides by two ditches over one part of which an aqueduct was thrown just then the moon peeped out through the clouds at the end of the declivity they observed a wall covered abundantly with ivy upon which the moon shed a silvery light that was ostranium vinitius's heart beat more quickly than ever at the gate two quarrymen accepted the watchwords next moment vinitius and his companions found themselves in a large space entirely surrounded by a wall here and there stood individual monuments and in the centre rose a crypt in the lower part of the crypt underground were graves a fountain played in front of the entrance as the crypt was too small for so large an assemblage vinitius readily divined that the ceremony would be held in the open air above where a great multitude had already gathered as far as i could reach lantern gleamed beside lantern many of those present however had no light save for a few bare heads all were hooded as a precaution against treachery or cold the young patrician grew alarmed at the thought that if they should remain thus to the end he would not be able to recognize lygia by the dim light in that multitude suddenly near the crypt some pitch torches were lighted and placed together in a little pile there was now sufficient light soon the crowd began to chant in low tones at first then louder and louder never in his life had vinitius heard such a hymn the same wild longing which had moved him when he heard the hymns sung by a few passers on his way to the cemetery underlay this hymn only far more distinct and potent until at last it swelled into so vast a volume that it seemed as if the cemetery the hills the pits the entire neighborhood in short had joined the multitude in their lamentations almost it seemed as if a cry had gone up from the night a humble prayer for salvation from a wanderer in the darkness eyes lifted heavenward seemed to be fixed upon some being above outstretched hands implored that being to descend when the hymns ceased there followed a moment of hushed expectation so overpowering that vinitius and his followers unconsciously imitated the christians in casting their eyes towards the stars as if fearful that something extraordinary would happen and that some one in reality would descend among them in asia minor in egypt and in the very city of rome vinitius had seen all varieties of temples he knew many religions he had heard many hymns but now for the first time he beheld people calling upon a divinity with hymns not because they were fulfilling some established ritual but from the very depth of the heart with such genuine yearning as children might express for a father or mother no person not blind could help perceiving that these people not only adored their god but loved him with their whole souls 
vinitius had never before witnessed a scene like this in any land in any religion or in any temple in rome or in greece there were those who still worshipped the gods from selfish motives or from fear but love for the gods never entered their heads though the mind of vinitius was occupied with looking for lygia in the crowd he could not help seeing the extraordinary things that were happening about him meanwhile the fire fed by more torches filled the cemetery with a red glare darkening the gleam of the lanterns at that moment a venerable man emerged from the crypt arrayed in a hooded mantle but with his head uncovered he mounted a rock which was near by the fire the crowds swayed at sight of him about him vinitius heard voices whispering peter peter some knelt down others stretched out their hands to him a silence so profound followed that one could hear the falling cinders on the embers the distant rumbling of wheels on the via nomentana and the soughing of the wind through the sparse pine trees growing near the cemetery chilo inclined towards vinitius and whispered that is he the foremost disciple of christ a fisherman the old man lifted up his hands and blessed the assembled crowds with the sign of the cross all fell upon their knees lest they should betray themselves vinitius and his companions also fell on their knees vinitius could not grasp the situation at once it seemed to him that the figure which he saw before him was simple yet impressive and moreover it was impressive because of its simplicity the old man had neither mitre nor garland of oak leaves on his head nor palm branch in his hand nor golden tablet on his breast he was arrayed in no star-embroidered robe of white in short he had none of the insignia which distinguished the priests of egypt and greece and rome vinitius was again struck by the same difference which he had felt when he listened to the christian hymns for the fisherman appeared to him unlike a high priest versed in liturgical ceremonies but a simple and most venerable witness who had travelled far and wide that he might tell some truth which he had seen and touched which he believed with the faith that comes from actual seeing and which he had come to love on account of his firm belief such conviction was depicted in his face as truth alone can possess the sceptical vinitius had no wish to be influenced by the teachings of the old man but he had a feverish curiosity to know what would follow from the lips of that companion of the mysterious christ and what that teaching was which lygia and pomponia Grisina professed and now peter began to speak first he spoke as a father who points out to his children the way they should live he commanded them to renounce all excesses and luxurious living to love poverty purity and truth to suffer wrongs and persecutions with patience to obey those in authority to beware of treason deceit and calumny finally to give an example to one another and even to pagans vinitius for whom good was only that which could restore him to lygia and bad everything which formed an obstacle between them was angered at certain portions of the fisherman's discourse for it seemed to him that when he enjoined purity and a struggle against natural desires the old man dared not only to condemn his love but also to confirm lygia in her opposition to him if she were among the congregation he thought listening to those words and taking them to heart she must regard him as an enemy to that teaching and as an evil man the thought angered him what have i heard which is new he asked himself is this the unknown religion 
everybody knows its teachings everybody has heard them poverty and limitation of necessities have been taught by the cynics socrates teaches virtue every stoic even such a one as seneca who has five hundred tables of lemon wood enjoins moderation advocates truth patience in adversity and endurance in misfortune all such teachings are like stale grain fit for mice to eat but not for men because musty with age Besides being angry, Vinicius was disappointed, for he had expected that some secret of magic would be revealed, and he at least expected to hear some uncommon eloquence. Instead, he heard plain, simple speech devoid of all rhetorical display. He was surprised only by the silence and attention paid by the audience to the discourse. The old man continued to address his attentive auditors, admonishing them to be good, peaceful, upright, poor, and pure. Not that they might have peace in this life, but that after death they might live with Christ to everlasting, in such joy and glory as none on earth had ever attained. And here Vinicius, though of a hostile mind, could not but observe that there was a difference between the teachings of the old man and that of the cynics, stoics, and other philosophers, for these recommend virtue as reasonable, but practicable only in this life, whilst he promised immortality, and not a mean immortality upon the earth in wretchedness and want, but a glorious life equal almost to that of the gods. Virtue, through a faith like this, assumed priceless value, and the misfortunes of this life became trivial. For to suffer for the time being for the sake of untold happiness is something entirely different from suffering only because such is the course of nature. Continuing his discourse, the old man said that virtue and truth should be loved for themselves, since the highest truth and virtue existing eternally is God himself. Hence the more one loves them, the more he loves God, and becomes thus the beloved child of God. Vinicius did not comprehend this very well, but he knew from words spoken by Pomponia Graecina to Petronius that according to the Christian belief, God was one and almighty. When therefore he now heard that he was also all good and all just, he could not help thinking that in the presence of such a God, Jupiter, Saturn, Apollo, Juno, Vesta, and Venus would seem like a vain and quarrelsome crowd, where each one was for himself and against all the others. The young man's astonishment was greatest when the old man declared that God is equally universal love, hence whoever loves mankind fulfills God's greatest commandment. But it is not sufficient to love only the people of one's own nation, for the God-man shed his blood for all, and had already found among the pagans such elect as Cornelius the centurion. Again it was not sufficient to love only those who do good to us, for Christ forgave the Jews who delivered him over to death, and the Roman soldiers who crucified him. It behooves us, therefore, not only to forgive those who wrong us, but to love them and return them good for evil. It is not enough to love those who do good, we must love the wicked also, since by love only is it possible to expel evil from them. At these words Chilo bethought himself that all his work had gone for nothing, and that Ursus would not dare to kill Glaucus either on this or any other night. On the other hand, he was comforted by an inference from the old man's words that Glaucus would not kill him, even if he were discovered and recognized. Vinicius no longer thought that there was nothing new in the teachings of the old man. He asked himself with amazement, What sort of god is this? What sort of religion? What sort of people? All that he had just heard could not find lodgment at once in his mind. 
it was a jumble of new ideas he felt that should he wish for example to embrace such doctrine he would have to sacrifice on a burning pile all his former thoughts habits character and his very nature itself that they would have to be burned to ashes so that he might then fill himself with a new life and soul the teaching which enjoined him to love parthians syricians greeks egyptians gauls and britons to forgive enemies to love them and to return good for evil seemed to him nothing short of madness yet there was something in that madness greater than all philosophy he thought that the doctrine in spite of its madness was impracticable but because impracticable it was divine in his heart he rejected it and felt as if he were emerging from a meadow full of flowers breathing a perfume which intoxicated which when a man once inhaled he must as in the land of the lotus forget all else and yearn for it alone it seemed to him that in the religion there was nothing real but that at the same time reality compared to it seemed insignificant and undeserving of thought heights of some kind unthought of before surrounded his mind certain immensities topped with clouds the cemetery seemed to him a rendezvous of madmen but also a place mysterious and wonderful where as on some veiled bed something was being born the like of which the world had never seen before there passed before his mind everything that the old man had said concerning life truth love and god and his thoughts were dazed from the brilliant light as are eyes from successive flashes of lightning as is usual with people absorbed by a single passion these thoughts came to him through the medium of his love for lygia and by these lightning flashes he saw one thing clearly that if lygia were present in the cemetery she professed and obeyed that religion and would never be his mistress for the first time since he had met her at aulus's house vinitius felt that though he had now found her she had not found him no thought like this had come to him before and he could not explain it to himself at the time why he had a confused feeling of irreparable loss and misfortune he became alarmed and his alarm soon changed into a tempest of wrath towards all christians and especially towards the old man that fisherman whom at the first glance he had considered an ignorant peasant now filled him with vague alarm and appeared to him as some mysterious power who held his fate in his hands the quarrymen again quietly placed fresh torches on the fire the wind ceased to mourn in the pines the flames rose evenly ascending upwards towards the stars twinkling in a clear sky the old man recalling the death of christ talked now only of him all held their breath and the deepest silence prevailed so that almost could be heard the beating of hearts the man had seen and he narrated as one in whose mind every moment had been so fixed that were he to close his eyes he would still see he told them how on their return from the cross he had sat with john for two days and two nights in the supper chamber without eating or sleeping in suffering mourning and alarm their heads bowed in their hands and thinking that he had died oh how terrible how awful it was the third day had dawned and the morning light illumined the walls but he and john still were sitting in the chamber hopeless and comfortless how desire for sleep tortured them for they had spent the night preceding the passion without sleep they bestirred themselves and began to weep anew but just as the sun rose mary magdalene rushed in breathless her hair dishevelled crying they have taken away the lord hearing this they sprang up and ran towards the sepulchre but john who was a younger man ran faster and was the first to arrive 
he saw that the place was empty and dared not enter only when there were three at the entrance did he the one now addressing them enter and on the stone he espied a shirt and a winding sheet but the body they found not then a fear fell upon them for they thought that the priests had removed the body of christ and they returned in greater grief than they had come other disciples arrived later and joined in the lamentations so that the lord of hosts might hear them in chorus they wept until the spirit died within them for they had hoped that the master would redeem israel and it was now the third day since he had died they therefore did not understand why the father had forsaken the son and they preferred not to look at the daylight but to die so heavy was their burden the remembrance of those awful moments caused two tears to flow from the eyes of the venerable man these were visible in the light of the fire as they trickled down his gray beard his bald and aged head trembled and his voice was choked vinicius said within himself this man speaks the truth and it moves him to tears the simple-hearted auditors were greatly affected they had heard more than once of christ's passion and they knew that joy would follow sorrow but now that an apostle an eye-witness retold the story they wrung their hands and sobbed and beat their breasts but they calmed themselves by degrees for the desire to hear the continuation of the story prevailed over their grief the old man closed his eyes as if to look more carefully into his soul for the things that had happened in the past and continued while the disciples were lamenting mary magdalene rushed in again proclaiming that she had seen the lord failing to recognize him because of a great light that surrounded him she had thought him to be the gardener but he said mary and she cried rabboni and fell at his feet he bade her go to his disciples then he vanished but the disciples would not believe her when she wept for joy some taunted her others thought that sorrow had overthrown her mind for she said also that she had seen angels at the grave they ran therefore a second time to the grave and found it empty later in the evening came cleopas with another from emmaus saying truly the lord has arisen from the dead and from fear of the jews they discussed the subject with closed doors suddenly he stood among them though there had been no sound at the door and when they were afeared he said peace be with you and i saw him as all did see and he was like a light and like the joy in our hearts for we believed that he had arisen from the dead and that the seas would dry up and the mountains turn to dust but his glory would never pass after eight days thomas thrust his finger in his wounds and touched his side then he fell at his feet and cried my lord and my god to whom the lord answered because thou hast seen me thou hast believed blessed are those who have not seen and have believed and we heard those words and our eyes looked on him for he was among us vinicius listened and a strange thing happened to him for the moment he forgot where he was the feeling of reality of comparison of judgment began to slip away from him two impossibilities faced him he could not believe what he heard and yet he felt that one must be blind or lost to reason who would admit that that man who said i have seen was lying there was something in his gestures in his tears in his whole figure and in the details of his narrative that made it impossible to suspect him 
vinitius felt as if in a dream but round about was the silent crowd the odor of smoking lanterns came to his nostrils in the distance the torches blazed and at his side on the rock stood this old man on the verge of the grave his head shaking who giving testimony repeated i saw and he told them everything up to the ascension into heaven at moments he paused for he spoke very minutely but it was felt that every circumstance had fixed itself in his memory as though engraved on stone the listeners were seized with ecstasy they threw back their hoods from their heads that they might hear him better and miss not a single word of those priceless utterances to them it seemed that some supernatural power had carried them to galilee that with the disciples they were walking through the valleys and upon the waters the cemetery was metamorphosed into the lake of tiberius on the bank in the morning mist stood christ as he had stood when john looking up from the boat said it is the lord and when peter threw himself into the water and swam so as sooner to fall at the well-beloved feet in the faces of all shone boundless ecstasy forgetfulness of life happiness and immeasurable love it was evident that during peter's long exhortation some of the listeners had visions when he began to relate how at the moment of the ascension the clouds closed in beneath the saviour's feet how they enveloped him how they hid him from the gaze of the apostles all eyes were raised involuntarily to the sky and a moment as of expectation followed as if all hoped to behold him there or as if they expected that he would descend again from the heavens so that he might see how the venerable apostle was tending the flock which had been entrusted to him and bless both the lambs and him and for this people at that moment there existed neither rome nor the mad caesar nor temples of pagan gods there was only christ who filled the land the sea the heavens and the world from about the houses scattered among the via nomentana the cocks began to crow announcing the midnight hour just then chilo tugged at a corner of vinitius's mantle and whispered master over there not far from the old man i see urban and by his side is one that looks like a maiden vinitius shook himself as though waking from a dream he turned in the direction pointed out by the greek and beheld lygia end of part one chapter twenty